And now back by underwhelming demand, it's The Fist, The Whole Fist, and nothing but The Fist, so help me pod, the official Fistball Australia podcast, also known as TFTWFANBTFSHMPTOFAP. I'm your host for this week, Mal Mr. Fister Donlan, or Senor Puno, as they know me in uh, Brazil, and uh, with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris Super Mario Milne, or Jumpman, as he's known to anyone in 1980s Japan. <laughs> yeah, th- thanks, uh, Mao. It's great to be back. I'm, I'm genuinely surprised that you pronounced my name correctly, which was nice, considering you could have definitely gone down a different route there. Appreciate that. Yeah, I, I could have went to the uh, Chris Milner, as, the, uh, <laughs> as all the commentators uh, seem to say in, in the other countries. Yeah, but it seems to be a tricky one. I thought I'll be. I thought I'll be nice. No, it's good to be back, and it's good to be on the uh, on the other side of it this time. You know, giving you the uh, the hosting duties for this round. I kind of just get to be the uh, the guy that comes out with the hilarious quips. You know. Yeah, the the side man. It's a, it's a good place to be. I, I sort of have a small idea that I might be. Uh, hosting two shows tonight, my first and my last, uh, if this goes anything like I think it will, because I'm <laughs> fairly unorganized and will probably go rambling off on a few different tangents along the way, but that's all good. We've had a great start to the show. Obviously, getting this thing up and running, we had a few technical issues, and uh, what was the main thing causing that technical issue, Mal? Uh, yeah, I, I might have had some trouble with uh, a certain CD supplied to me by uh, one Rolf the Godfister Peterson. Trying to get his special Norwegian bonus track working, I realised my computer was struggling with it so much, and it was still in the CD drive that it was just making my whole computer run at snail pace, and my audio wasn't working, and all sorts of things, so the gift that keeps on giving from the Godfister, that one. <laughs> Thanks, Godfister. Yeah, so uh, episode three. Never thought we'd get past one, to be honest, but here we are. Still got a few people who seem to be listening. Yeah, I, ch- I checked not long ago, and I think we had like 100, 130, 540 downloads so far, or 130 starts. Um, let's not say how many people finish each episode, but, uh, you know, it's a good start. People are clicking on it and giving it a listen. That's pretty good. Yeah, you, you do sometimes wonder about the random clientele that typing in fist ball and find us <laughs> and go, oh, yeah, here we go, let's see what this is, and then realise very quickly. <laughs> that it's not what they thought it was going to be and, uh, and tune out. A disturbing number of people seem to tune out within three minutes of starting the podcast, so um, yeah. surely that's not us, surely. Wouldn't have thought so. There's a couple of good ones when you look through like the demographics and there's like people in countries that don't play fistball that have, that have started it, and you think, <laughs> you're definitely not supposed to be here. But Very disappointed clientele, for sure. But, um, yeah, so episode two went, went down all right. Our first our first special guest host, the Godfister. And we I think one of the things you spoke about during that show is that we'd perhaps gone a bit too big too early with our game reviews, and that we'd like picking just absolute classics, and that we were going to, to run out of good games to review. And we possibly did the same thing with our, with our guest host in getting someone who's significantly funny than we are on the first one so now with, unless we have someone really good as a guest host we, we're just crap again but yeah it was a risk it was a risk we had to run I mean even I know we had a few lined up for this week but they've all been pushed I think in the next month or so we have about 13 14 guests that we're going to be having on the podcast yeah the phones have been ringing off the hook we've had um 
you know, Kevin Spacey's agent, uh, Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, uh, Chappelle Corby, Charlie Sheen, Bill Cosby, all all those guys that, um, you know, <laughs> that are keen. But Yeah, respectful, uh, yeah, upstanding citizens. It's great. Yeah, unfortunately, the um, we did have a, a few uh, keen people to come on, but the, the time difference causes a few issues and trying to do a show that's Sunday night here or Sunday morning in the other parts of the world, which is sort of causing a few uh, scheduling headaches. But hopefully we'll... Um, in the next couple of episodes, we'll, we'll get a couple more guest hosts on. It'll be good. Yeah, for sure. Fist. Boy. Uh, all right, moving on. Let's uh, have a quick update on what's happening in the uh, Australian fistball world. Have you got anything for us? Uh, I don't have a lot. I know that as the... Uh what am I, Secretary General slash Treasurer? I do know that we've received a, a bonus grant payment completely out of nowhere from the uh, Geelong Council, I believe. So we applied for a grant a few months back, a bit of a COVID pick-me-up grant, which was a grand that they transferred into our bank account, which was going to be a huge help when we start back up again. And then just a surprise, a surprise $500 grant to everyone who applied for the original grant. So now we've got 1500 bucks that have come in from the Geelong Council, which we're eternally grateful for, because that'll definitely... I mean, we haven't been obviously getting any team fees this year and we still have bills to pay. We're still paying insurance. Members, obviously, we've been struggling to get simply because nobody can play right now. So that's just going to be a huge bonus. Yeah, it's definitely going to help to um, to fill the void for, for a little while while we... We're not playing and sort of can't really raise any other funds much. So yeah, that was a that was a nice little bonus there. Yeah, our, our lockdown's been extended by a couple of weeks here in Victoria, so we're still on the playing the waiting game on that front. But our COVID numbers do seem to be heading in the right direction. So while I think we might be a while away from from getting back playing proper competitions and stuff, hopefully in the not too distant future we'll be able to at least get out and do some training and small games and, and stuff like that. Uh, but no, no other no other local news from as far as I'm concerned. Uh, South Australia is a we can get out and play fistball, but I'm the only one who plays it here, so uh, <laughs> it's not really much of an update, unfortunately. Yeah, I think Benny Giles has had a, been getting a few sessions going in uh, in Boulder over there, but but he's I think he's got about three people that are going with him, so they they can play some. Um, what is it? Kleinfelder Faustball or whatever they call it in Germany, where you play the little two-on-two games. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's doing well over there, Benny Giles. Yeah. Shout out to Benny Giles. I know that he's listening. Yeah, he will be. We'll give him a shout out every week. He loves it. And I've and I've realised here just to kick off my fantastic hosting career that I've completely glossed over point one on my agenda sheet, which is what beers are we drinking? That's supposed to kick off every show, and I missed it. I'm not going to lie, Mal, when you were talking, I was kind of looking off to my left going, I really would love to open that beer at some point. I hope Mal gets around to that point in the agenda. <laughs> but here we are. Um, I guess I'll kick it off. Um, I've I've gone back to the Moondog again this, this week. Um, I actually got a, a Baltic Porter from Pirate Life, uh, which is an Adelaide-based brewery. And I was I just got a four-pack of them because I thought it would be nice to have a little dark beer on a Sunday night. But um, I, I don't really check the percentage much these days i just thought oh a nice baltic porter that'd be good but it's um i think it's like 12.5 percent it's like over four standard drinks it's in a 440 mil can so i thought no that's not really what i was intending particularly seeing as we didn't start this podcast until 10 30 so i've just gone with a um what i already had in the fridge which is a moon dog um in the crumble the mighty crumble it's a uh apple crumble dessert sour ale god Makes me sound like such a wanker, but that's what I'm drinking. <laughs> it's a it's a lovely kind of sweet beer. I quite enjoy it. I better open it on the uh, on uh, the mic, of course. 
All right. What about you, Mal? Very nice. Well, I don't want to leave you alone in the sounding like a wanker. So <laughs> I've also gone for a, a Moondog beer, coincidentally. And I've gone for the uh, the Moondog Cake Hole Black Forest Stout. It's very nice. Which, uh, yeah, I, I think I might have had one like a long time when they first came out, maybe uh, 18 months ago or something. Yep. I think it was in a bottle back then. They've, they've bought it out in a can now, which I was excited about. So I can do this. Ah, oh, that's, that's the stuff. I tell you what, that's, I think they're on the top of the leaderboard at the moment, Moondog, as far as number of mentions so far. So they're on a sponsorship hot list. Yeah. Um, if they want to reach out, we'll be more than happy to listen. That's right. Yeah. Well, that, they'd be mad not to, seeing as we're plugging them, them for free every week anyway. Why, why, why wouldn't they <laughs> give us money? <laughs> so yeah, we're not very good at this, are we? Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, they, it would be great if they would uh, reach out and sponsor us for sure. They can pay us in beer, I don't mind. Give us just send us a couple of free beers every week, and we'll talk about them. One of the one of the downsides I should point out before we move on is that while this is a fun section because a we get to drink beer and and b we get to talk about something that's not fistful just very briefly on the podcast. I have also noticed that when I'm editing, I have to edit out a hell of a lot of drinking sounds and sipping sounds and the sounds of people putting glasses back on the desk. It's probably not the best idea for a podcast, but it's, you know, something different. Yeah, you need a bit of help to get through all our hour and a half or so of rambling each week. Yes, it's totally worth the eight hours of editing I put uh, I put into a, a one hour podcast for sure. Fist. All right, shall we move on to uh, the next segment, which is sort of going to probably make up the main part of our show this week, or this this fortnight, uh, is our international fistball update, which there is actually um, been quite a lot happening over the last uh, couple of weekends. We've had the German and Swiss fistball championships uh, last weekend, and the Austrian championships happening this weekend. Um, now, we were pretty psyched to um, try something a bit different for this show. We we're going to be giving live up score updates of the uh, Austrian women's championship game, which we'd worked out would be playing as we were recording. But because we've been so hopelessly unorganized uh, in getting started and we had our, also a few technical issues... We've actually missed it. The game was was over before we even got started, and now there's about an hour or so wait before the men's game starts. So we're we're not going to be um, breaking down uh, any kind of barriers or doing anything earth-shatteringly exciting. But we can we do have an extra game to talk about, I guess. Although I don't think you watched it because you were uh, busy doing the review of our uh, of our other game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm sure that the listeners on Wednesday would have definitely appreciated the live scores from the Sunday night, but it is disappointing. I was hoping to be able to just randomly get distracted during our podcast by some incredible point that was being undertaken, but oh well, what can you do? It is disappointing that the men's game doesn't start for another, I think, another hour, because that is shaping up to be a cracking game, which I would have loved to have seen, particularly... Carl and the Tigers just kind of smashing it around trying to get another championship under their belt. Yeah, the the games last week, uh, the German and Swiss games, the timings were were pretty good. They they sort of worked out all right for us, but mm. Austria seemed to be scheduling theirs a bit later, which it's not ideal on a school night to be sitting up that late. Yeah, a lot of big gaps between the games. I mean, the Nussbach, Nussbach, sorry, I should have apologized for the pronunciations at the start of this episode. But the, uh, yeah, the Nussbach and uh, who are they playing? Asko something. ASKO Lekirken, I think it is. Yeah. yeah, they finished about half an hour ago and there's still not another hour until the next game. I'm not totally sure why there's an hour, an hour and a half between games. One thing I did sort of notice that I thought was interesting is I think they're actually playing at different venues, oh. the two games. So they, um, and at different places to where they played the semis yesterday. So like all the Germans and Swiss all sort of, 
play to the same venue over the two days. But I noticed that they said that for the women's game that uh, Lekirken had been the highest ranked team, so they'd sort of earned the right to to host the home final. Uh-huh. So they were hosting the women's game, and and I think the um the men's game was somewhere else because I did hear I was listening to uh, the EFA podcast today, and they were talking about how you could actually drive between the two, like possibly that they'd left enough time that you could go and watch one game and then get in your car and take an autobahn at some sort of ridiculous speed and get and watch and watch the other game if you felt so inclined but i wonder if they have the same live the live stream crew perhaps maybe they have to go from one and dart over to the next one to get the game yeah well i think well possibly because they couldn't sort of guarantee the starting times that may be why they left a, such a big buffer to sort of ensure that the previous game was definitely finished to to get things sorted but i don't know interesting anyway so um, we did uh, put our uh, our tips in yesterday for who we, th- we thought was going to win which now that uh, the game's already been played <laughs> i could probably just change my mind on this but but i want <laughs> Right. Um, we, well, we did actually put our tips in before the semis were played, I'll, I must admit. So at least we um, yep. we both got our teams uh, through to the final. So I'd uh, I'd tipped ASKO Lekirken. Watching the two semis, they pretty well breezed through theirs. And with um, Karina Steindl, I think her name is uh, the attacker there. She's she's really impressive. I saw her play in, in Yona last year, and I, she's got so much power. I sort of thought she might be, um, be too strong. But uh, you uh, very wisely went for the... Uh, the defending champs and uh, in Nussbach, who I think have pretty much half the teams made up of, or probably possibly more, uh, Austrian national team players, and uh, just had a bit too much depth, I think. Yeah, I was... Um, don't get me wrong, I'm not super knowledgeable on the uh, female Austrian league, but I do know that they're good, Nussbach. Nussbach. I have seen them play uh, a few games in the last couple of years, and they just seem, from what I can tell, they've had the same team for quite a long time, and they seem super consistent and reliable. Um, they've got the... I'm blanking on the names, but the two, the twins, uh, the one, one's an attacker, one's a defender. Don't know if you know the names. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Hesmeyer, I think their last names or something. There's yeah, Verena and Marlena or something or other. Yeah, they're they're both very good. And um, Enos Lugabauer, I think, is the attacker who has that great little serve where she does that little little bop flick thing, <laughs> the little bop just before she serves. Yeah. That I know um, Lee Maroney loves that that serve. He's, he gets very excited whenever she get, he gets to see her play. So yeah, no, they yeah. were they were very good. And end up yeah, I could end up being four nil. It was actually a pretty close game. I, I sort of I think it was 11, 8, 11, 7, 14, 12, 11, 7 seven or something somewhere around about those lines so it was a pretty competitive game but yeah they just seemed to have a little bit uh, too much depth that was sort of for Lekirk and if Karina didn't sort of win the point they just didn't seem to have anyone else who quite had the had the power to to get it done but and one of the good things about Nussbach as well is um they actually have a they actually have a mascot I don't know if you saw him it's, it's basically the the Joffa of the Austrian league or what's the uh who's the Geelong guy it's probably a more accurate. Ah, uh, the the cat man. The cat man is. Yeah, wears all the, yeah. the makeup and stuff. Yeah, he's got the white makeup and the long the long wig. I'm assuming it's a wig, but perhaps it's his real hair and the 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 flowing robe with stuff hanging off it. Yeah, it's, it was leading all the chants and kind of getting into it. You know, I, I'll go for any team that has a uh, has a mascot like that, unless they're Collingwood, of course. Yeah, right. I, to be honest, I've missed that. I'll I'll have to um, pay more attention next time I'm watching Austrian fistball, I guess. Uh, and who's in the final it's um Volkerbrook and and Linz oh yes um I thought they were, they were a bit of an upset I thought we didn't that was sort of the late game last night that 
I stayed up till one thirty or something watching the the first three semi-finals, but that one was a bit late even for me. But yeah, I was sort of well, I think we both expected that Union Compact would would get through in the, in the other side because they've sort of yep. them and, and Volkerbrook seem to have been the two two teams that have been playing off um, the last few years. But but yeah, Linz had a pretty comfortable. I think it was four sets to one. So well, I know that their entire their entire defensive line is Austrian national team players, if I remember correctly. I think they have um, Stefan um, Wolfhart. Oh God, I think all three are in the Austrian national team, and then their their attacker, if I remember correctly, is a Brazilian who used to play in the national team eight odd years ago. So they're a pretty. I mean, they're a talented team, obviously. I, I reckon last year maybe even they had um, Gabby Heck. I think Gabby Heck played for them last year. Oh really? He came over pre World Champs and filled in for that team, and I think he took them to the championship. It's it's kind of funny that the IFA sort of they sort of stole our thunder a little bit. Um, we had already talked about this being our, our special episode we're just going to talk about the european champions and then lo and behold the ifa releases a podcast right before us uh doing the exact same thing as us i haven't actually listened to it yet i'm going to but uh you obviously have uh are we going to be stealing much material from them um yeah they they talked a bit about like that was kind of the main main thing of their show too but um i guess we've got the the benefit of uh, having actually watched some of the the games from from this weekend they sort of obviously recorded i think on friday maybe so they didn't have any of the austrian stuff in there I, I, one thing I, I did notice is it's significantly longer than all of their other podcasts i think it's at like 27 minutes or 28 minutes or something so i don't know if that's us putting pressure on them if they're, they're feeling that they need to to up their game or <laughs> well just before this podcast i quickly went through and actually um added up the uh the length of all their podcasts so far and they're at 120 minutes so we are we are ahead of them <laughs> We have released more football podcasts than the International Football Association. Uh, just putting it out there, um, Jorn and Christoph, just, you know, just a little friendly rivalry um, on the other side of the planet. Yeah, that's it. And I think we've we've almost matched that in just one show. <laughs> <Yes>. But uh, <laughs> again, just failing miserably in my uh, hosting job did not mention off the top of the bat that we are the most downloaded football podcast in the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> Until still number one. Still number one. Anyway, uh, so in other international news, after our almost live uh, live talk about the Austrian championships, we had uh, the two big championships last weekend, which we sort of touched on earlier, which was the Swiss championships and the German championships. We'll talk first about the Swiss because we're going to be sort of talking mostly about uh, the German championships and for our uh, our game review. Um, so we'll, we'll touch on on the Swiss first. Um, it was pretty wet. I'm sure you noticed that over the weekend, or last weekend in Germany and Switzerland, actually, there was um, sort of torrential rain at certain times throughout um, both of the days, which I find it's always interesting because it just totally changes the game as far as it really brings the defense out a lot more. And yep. yeah, I, I found those those games really entertaining to watch. Yeah, no, it's, I did see some of it. I didn't actually get to see all of the Swiss games. Um, I saw bits and pieces. Um, but yeah, you're right. From what I saw, it was pissing down. Uh, for lack of a better term at the start of that game everyone had their umbrellas out and just kind of you know huddled in their jackets um it looked like it was going to be a pretty tough game did you watch both the men and women's finals uh i tried to sort of watch as much as i could it was it was hard because like a lot of the games were kind of happening simultaneously so i was kind of flicking back between screens and trying to watch whatever looked like it was the the most uh, interesting game at the time i watched most of the finals and a couple of the 
couple of the bronze the bronze medal matches. It was interesting how the, also how the, the weather sort of seemed to roll from Switzerland to Germany. So like I remember flicking on um, the, I think it was the morning of the the finals when the bronze medal matches were being played. And it was it was absolutely belting down in Switzerland for the the first women's match and the start of the the men's bronze medal match. And then it sort of weather cleared up there. And then I flicked over to watch to go over to Germany to watch the next game there. And it just started getting worse and worse as as it kind of went through. But yeah, the women's the women's final. I sort of missed the start of it because I was watching. I think it was on at the same time as one of the might have been the German semi final something. I can't remember. So I missed that. But that was a. I saw the end of that game. That was a cracking match um, between uh, Dippled Sow and and Yona. Dippled Sow won it um, three sets to two, um, and yeah, broke Yona's seven year winning streak of the of the women's championship, which was a bit of an interesting point. They'd uh, they've sort of had the reins for a while, but I think from yeah, sort of chatting to Roger about it, uh, sort of before the game, he said I think Dippled Sow had uh, sort of I don't know if they'd recruited or headhunted how whatever they'd, but they had a significantly stronger team in this this year. Um, had quite a few national team players, Tanya Bognar and um, Jamie Butcher and a couple of others. So they yeah really really took it up and and yeah pinched pinched the the mantle. Former um, former Bay City Fister Jamie Butcher, right? Yeah, that's right. I I think so yeah she's she's one of the ones that, that's coming out uh, coming out here i didn't even know that yona had held the title for that long which is quite impressive i mean that's um that's Funkstad type streaks basically that's like super impressive yeah yeah it is it's a it's a long time and you know i guess looking at you know, some of the players like quite a few of the players in the team like they're not they're not that old so they've obviously sort of rolled through a couple of eras of players and been able to sort of rejuvenate that team with with new players and and stay on top which is which is good but now they've i guess they've the uh they've become the the hunter now they've got to got to go out and try and win the title back which will be, be interesting to to see how that goes and then yeah the men's was Widnow uh won their first title in about 10 years i think of i think it was five because i was looking that up as well um apparently they took the championship in right before the world champs so 2015 so i was doing a little bit of research before and it was um cyril schreiber Fausto, <laughs> I'm easier, easier with nicknames. Fausto, he was still playing at that point. Um, I think that might have been his last season with them and they won the championship then, but five years still, they haven't won since then. It was impressive effort, I think, because, again, they, they beat Dippelzow, but uh, that Dippelzow is a pretty stacked team in itself. They've got um, Raphael Schladinger, Brad Pitt, Lucas Lasser, is there Malik Muller, who um, he started on the pine, surprisingly. No, they did mention that in the, um, wow. I think in the, in the EFA podcast that, that he'd been benched, which I was sort of a bit surprised about. But he did. He did come out and play play quite a bit in the game. But yeah, they just just never really were in it. They. I mean, it was sort of a close game. Like most of the sets were sort of eleven nines, you know, twelve ten. But they couldn't get it. Yeah. Then I guess yeah, Jan Meyer and uh, their Brazilian guy, um, yeah, Juliano Fontura. But there was there was that one point. Um, you pr- might have seen it. That's sort of. They've gone and sent it around on a few of the, the Facebook pages and, and stuff where yeah, Juliano Fontura did that little shot at the net where he's he's run up and feigned to hit it with his right hand and then yeah. at the last minute hit it with his left or, or vice versa, I think actually. I think he went to was gonna hit it left and then went right. With just yeah, basically the whole team's running one side of the court and he just nicks it back the other. That's beautifully done. 
It's beautifully done. It was like landing right in the corner, and I think uh, Schlattlinger was coming in, and you could just see his head drop. I don't know how at what point of the game that was, but it seemed to kind of break a few backs with that hit. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was later in the game. It might have been the yeah, fourth or fifth set. Like they were. It was just one of those things that just sort of summed up how the game was going. I think that they were just just seemed to be on on top and and going well. The other game there that I did watch quite a lot of, which is sort of why I missed some of the other games earlier, was the the bronze medal match in Switzerland. Was a fantastic game. That was like a seven-setter between um, Neuendorf and Wigoltingen. A lot of that game was played really when the, especially the first half when the weather was was pretty awful. And yeah, that was a, that was a real just epic trudge sort of um, seven-set game. So I, I kind of got pretty addicted to watching most of that. And because it was seven sets, it, it sort of skewed my um, my scheduling a bit for the rest of the of the day. So I missed a few other games. But that was sort of yeah, it was playing around about the same time as the start of the women's final of the Germans, I think. So I, I didn't see a huge amount of that. It's a shame that. They, it's a shame they were happening on the same weekend. Like it would have been nice. Maybe we'll send it put in the, the suggestion the, box. The Euro suggest the suggestion box to space your championships out to different weekends next year, so we can get three weekends worth instead of trying to watch two games at once. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Widnauer team is very interesting in that. Obviously, they used to have Cyril Fausto, and they had Mario Kola and Kevin Kola. None of who definitely were, none of who were playing. I know that Mario is retired and Cyril has gone to a different team. Um, Kevin, I'm not sure why he wasn't there. Perhaps he's retired as well. But um, and I'm looking at the photo of them. I'm not familiar other than Jan Meyer and um, Juliano. I'm not familiar with any of those other players in their team. They all look quite young, which is quite promising for Swiss football. I mean, I talked about it in the last podcast. I was saying, who are these young guys coming through that are going to take the place of all these aging Swiss superstars? Perhaps that's the answer. Maybe they're the um, the Swiss version of the Bocklebrook in Austria, where it's kind of no one's in the national team. And then before you know it, perhaps half the national team is made up of that, that young group of guys that are all just coming through at the right time. Yeah, that's right. If you've got a some national team that's made up predominantly older guys, and if you've got one club that's got a bunch of young guys that are coming through going really well it, it makes sense you go well, you've got these young guys that already play together so they know each other's games really well mm-hmm. they're complementary to each other it's you know sort of just bring them all in together yeah. helps with your chemistry in the national team definitely and of all the swiss attackers at the moment like you know the main swiss attackers i don't think any of them maybe rafael schlattlinger may be returning at the next world champs but um jan meyer is the youngest of those four that were at the last world champs and he plays for Wid now and he's 25 now so he'll still be reasonably youngish at the next world champs so I mean it makes sense to have this young team with the with a great attacker and a really young group of defenders hopefully they can just kind of keep going yeah definitely I guess I don't think I've got too much else to mention about the the Swiss championships we move on to the to the German champs yeah let's do it Nice. Um, so the German Championships was played in Kellinghusen, which I'd never heard of before. Um, sort of looked it up. It's a, sort of north of Hamburg. So yeah, sort of. I guess it's one of the clubs in the in the northern league there in Germany. But yeah, I, I sort of watched. I watched quite a bit of the the opening day because their matches started fairly early so and there was a couple of um couple of uh, girls that i knew that were playing like girls that had been traveling out here and that stayed with us as our all pairs luca and leone were playing so the kids were excited to um to see them on the tellies yeah in the end that was um the final there in the women's was a was another cracking game i thought was probably a, a bit of an upset um was uh, al horner beat um denner three two which yeah like i mean Denmark, I think, they definitely won last time, and I think they might have won a few before that, but they've got um, Sonia Frommer, who's 
sort of with the main attacker in the in the German team and Annalise Aldinger sort of you know the couple of very senior established national team players and Al Horner there was one or two girls I think that I noticed that I sort of recognized the faces there but again made a predominantly of a team of girls that I wasn't overly familiar with and they yeah they played a great game it was really um really good defense and um yeah slugged it out in a in a five setter yep I mean, if you had asked me uh, for a tip before that game, I would have said Danak, simply because I am familiar with their their game in the last couple of years. They've been not dominant, but they're always very competitive. You know, the pink pink ladies or whatever they're called, they're, they're very distinguishable on the court, and they, they always seem to be playing this kind of um, rotating group of finalists who are up there as well. I think uh, Kolf, they're usually up there as well, but... Um, Stephanie, I don't know if she's been injured or something, but she hasn't, Stephanie Denecker, she hasn't seemed to have played for a while, so I'm not totally sure what's going on there, but yeah, there was a good game, and I would definitely would have picked Denecker, but um, yeah, that, Al Horner were just, they were just really good. Yeah, they were, they were impressive. I think Carl got knocked, they got bundled out in the, the first day, because yeah, that was the game that Leone was playing, I was watching that, but yeah, they just, uh, yeah, Stephanie Denecker definitely didn't play, and whether she, yeah, she's injured or retired i'm not i'm not too sure yeah and then uh who was it uh tv jean spiritingen <laughs> i'm so glad you're saying these are not me <laughs> or, some, or something like or something like that uh, beat kellinghusen three nil in the bronze medal match so that's luca's team the right. tv yarn i think we just using her so we're excited for her she got a, a bronze medal yep nice Fist. Yeah, I guess that that uh, takes us to to the men's, which is our game match review, which was the the men's final that was probably an unexpected classic. Yeah, we obviously both of us were holding out strong hopes for TV Unterhausted on the back of you know their former coach being our former coach Tommy Helber, and we stayed there during our little uh, World Championship warm up last year. Um, actually, stayed at the clubhouse. Yeah, we really holding out hope that they could at least put in a, a good performance. I knew that. Well, I'm pretty sure that their best performance previously, at least while Tommy was coach was i think they got to fourth place in one of these um finals so for them to come second huge performance you know the way that um Funstad just seemed to roll through opponents um and they even in the the semi-finals of this one they kind of rolled through their opponents again and i just i thought it might just be the same case in the final but it certainly wasn't it was a cracker yeah you're right and as I said, yeah, it was their, their best ever performance and yeah we're all sort of hoping that they would they would do something but i, I think to some extent like i, I was watching Watching the semi-final, I'm thinking that's almost their final, and they're probably not going to beat Funkstadt. But just to make it into the final, and you know, say you've finished in the top two, would be would be unbelievable. Yeah. And then yeah, it sort of got to the final, and not expecting too much. And it's, to be honest, it sort of probably started out the way that I was expecting, and probably most people were expecting. And that you know, Funkstadt coming out the first set might have won the first three or four points. Patrick Thomas just smashing a few winners and aces, and you thought, oh yeah, here we go, this might get pretty ugly. And then they sort of fought back a bit. In that set, Mickey Ochner, you know, hitting um, a few good winners and a few good serves, but uh, also uh, yeah, watching him those couple of games, he was he's pretty erratic. He hit some cracking winners, but also um, you know, hit a few of those uh, blast a few out of the, out of the court and that kind of thing. But yeah, they sort of got back into that first set, but never were really challenged. I think it was 11-5. and then again, second set sort of started out similar fashion. I remember the the very first point of the second set. I think um, Patrick Thomas might have taken the defensive shot, and they've set it up and Sebastian Thomas came through and hit a winner and I remember thinking oh god you're in trouble when when Sebastian Thomas is killing you as well like and it's like he's a defender he's not supposed to be hitting the winners like and yeah I think though I think Funkstadt were up 7-1 in that 
second set and you said, oh, well, it's all going to be over pretty quickly. And then they yep. called a timeout, sort of subbed Mickey Ochner off. Robin Gensheimer moved into the number one sort of attacker and Stefan Koch came on and the game just, just changed. Like Robin Gensheimer just hit a couple of winners and, yeah, all of a sudden the defence that sort of looked totally flat and out of confidence just started making stops and a little bit of pressure on Fungstadt. They made a few errors, a few bad sets and Patrick Thomas made a couple of uncharacteristic errors, you know, hit the net a couple of times and hit a couple out and all of a sudden it was sort of back to eight all and then they won three or four in a row and all of a sudden it's like somehow Unterhaug should have won the second set just sort of out of nowhere. Yeah, it's kind of incredible. Like when that game started, I just, it's like my fears were just coming true at the start of that game. I, I mean, it was competitive at times, but really, Unterhausted looked nervous in that first set. There was some, a lot of uncharacteristic stuff, particularly from, like you said, from Mickey Ochner. He was doing some, it's not just that he was making little errors, but his, he seemed tentative. Some of his shots, like his drop shots, were kind of far too long, too high. And then, you know, a few defensive errors weirdly uncharacteristic and then when the second set started it just seemed like it was just going to keep going like the Funstad guys I'm not going to say they were getting cocky or anything but you could just tell that they they looked like they were cruising and they were just kind of going to close it out in three sets and then you're right that timeout and then our boy Stefan Kosh came came on Shout out to him for driving us around when we're in Unterhausted. Nice, nicest bloke you ever meet. Um, he came on, and and when uh, Robin moved into the main attacker, I think it's not that he was hitting it harder than Mickey was, but he. I mean, you watch him play; they clearly have two very different styles of hitting, and the way that the ball travels from the two different hitters seems vastly different. Robin seems to get this top spin on his hits where he, so many of his smashes would hit the ground and then bounce, like barely bounce at all, and then just, you know, kind of fall short of where the defender's expecting it to go. Whereas Mickey seems to he seems to curve his hits more. I don't know if you noticed this, but like he's hitting the, the sidelines a lot more and he doesn't seem like he's hitting it as hard, but you can tell by the way that the attacker or the, the defender is struggling that clearly the ball is shifting in the air and they don't tell him how to read it. So really those two guys as two attackers are like this really good complement of different styles and I think that when Robin came on he was just going for it <laughs> he was hitting it so hard and it just seemed like Funstad weren't ready for that change of style I don't know it was it was it was weird like you said it was 7-1 and there was a few errors and then you look up and it was like I think it was 9 all, and you're like oh okay wow they're back in this and then two points later and they got the set and you're like okay game on yeah you go you're down 7-1 and you've won the set 11-9 like you just won 11 points to two against Funkstar. That just doesn't happen. I don't know if anyone's done that in the last God knows how long, you know, to, to turn it on them and it just sort of came out of absolute nowhere. And you're like, oh, look at that. It's, it's one set all. Like, maybe we've got a game on here. And then I guess I was sort of thought, oh, the third set will be interesting to see, like, with will that sort of really um, spark Funkstar back into action? Or, you know, can can Unterhaxit sort of keep the momentum up? And mm-hmm. again, it was, it was sort of probably as expected as Patrick Thomas sort of come out and got on top early I think they got up 5-1 or 6-1 or something and yeah actually making I guess they'd, they'd sort of ridden their luck of going for it going for it and then that, the luck sort of turned and they sort of started missing a few and yeah and again I think I think Mickey Ochner was was sort of off for most of that set they stuck with 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 Stefan Koch in yep. um in the second attacker and they maybe just probably lacking a little bit of of firepower there with with with, with just Robin um, Gensheimer in attack but yeah it was sort of another it was a pretty comfortable set for Funkstad I think it was again it was 11-5 and again you sort of started getting a bit worried thinking oh well look you know they want a set that's a good effort but we'll see you know that might that might have been their yelp and yeah again somehow like it's early in the 
the second set, they brought Mickey Ochner back in, and you thought, oh, they're going for it. And mm-hmm. but yeah, Funchstadt was up six two, and you just sort of think, ah, oh, well, that's 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 yeah. the game, you know? They'll they'll roll on from here, and then yeah, again, it was yeah, Gensheimer and Ochner then just started working together really well and got it back to I think they were down nine seven. Well, I think it was yeah, it was eight eight seven, and then Patrick Thomas hit a hit a winning serve, and then they just reeled off four points in a row and eleven nine, and it's, all of a sudden it's, it's two sets all. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's great to watch, right? It, it's almost like um, everyone seems shocked when they won the set. <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah, okay, we're two all. There's only one set left to go into the German Championship. This is incredible. And uh, at this point, I probably should do a shout out to Sport Deutschland TV. They need to fix <laughs> they need to fix their streaming service because. I tried to re-watch this game before this podcast. This is one of the reasons we're starting so late is because it took me so long to watch this match because it is constantly freezing. I'm constantly getting the spinny wheel of death and then it's going to another ad break. And you know what? If I hear one more time, happy birthday, Lieber Gutsche, <laughs> or whatever it is. Oh my God. I've seen that ad about 30 times and I didn't even get to watch the fifth set. So that's my absolute frustration is that I got the spinny wheel of death and then the spinny wheel didn't stop. So you will have the best opinion on the incredibly heartbreaking fifth set. But um, the fourth set was incredible. I just, yeah, it seemed like at that point, the two the two guys up front were just um, complementing each other really well in general gameplay. And plus, I just feel like the def- the defensive three for TVU was just so much more solid in the second to fourth set. I obviously didn't see the fifth set, but I just felt like they were getting to a lot more hits that they weren't getting to in the first set. There's a lot of diving saves that were really well done to keep in play and some of the attackers I think there was early on I think I don't know if it was in the second set but Patrick just hit it straight at Robin at a, you know 100 miles an hour or whatever and he just returned it perfectly back into play and I was like okay so the, this is the way it's going to go and so it's funny watching you know that first set I'm kind of jumping back to the first set but Funchstad was just such a well-oiled unit, unit in that first set it's not just that Patrick was smashing it perfectly but every single one of their sets seemed to be bouncing less than a meter away from the net at the perfect height for Patrick and you just know that opposition teams when that's happening are just really just soiling their pants at that point because they know that once the court opens up for Patrick he's going to have a field day because he can hit it wherever he wants and there's some of those smashes where the ball was over the net and I swear that he's trying to bounce the ball into the car park the the, the power with which he hits that is it's super impressive yeah yeah he's he can do some some crazy things that you yeah I can't figure out one special little shout out I will give from there in that set was um to Sebastian Book I think is or Book is um surname for 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 Unterhaugstadt it was one of the the defenders and, and as I said all three of their they sort of had um Book Marcus Katz and Luca Egos Luca Egos a young guy he mm. was really impressive when when he came on so young he like I just know he was the only guy that obviously hadn't played enough to have his name printed on the back of his shirt yet so he's <laughs> he's he's probably a, a new guy but he he was great when they came in and I read somewhere he's German under twenty one so they've obviously recruited him which is a great move yeah definitely yeah and yes at nine all Stefan Book made two amazing defensive saves off Patrick Thomas that just kept that point alive. And like you said, it wasn't, they would, they'd never, it was just enough to keep them in the game, you know, they were kind of bailout shots. And then the third, the third attempt, Patrick hit it long and that put them up mm-hmm. 10-9. And then, yeah, they, um, I can't remember exactly what the last point was, but they yeah got that, that next point. But I thought it was such a massive point to just get their noses in front and get up and get up 10-9. Um, it was a great effort. 
But I, I must have been—I was—I was pretty surprised at the end of that set when all of a sudden I sort of noticed like the captains going up to the, to the referee yeah. for a coin toss. Yeah. I, I was really surprised that the German Championships would only be a best of five sets. I just assumed it would be a, a best of seven at least. Um, but then, yeah, all of a sudden you think, hang on a minute, it's it's deciding set. Like I sort of still thought, oh yeah, they've done well. It's two all, but chances of pinching two more sets off Funkstadt are pretty slim but all of a sudden you're like well one set who knows and uh yeah I wonder what I wonder why that is because obviously the Austrian and the Swiss ones were both best of seven right yeah yeah they were and um yeah I was even the like I said even the women's um finals in Austria were definitely best of seven maybe not in Switzerland but uh yeah that was a little bit surprising for such a, an important match mm. I thought maybe that that it'd be a, a seven set but uh yeah but then I guess that takes us to the the ultimately heartbreaking fifth set where Unterhaugstedt against all odds were up 4-0 and yeah again you're just sitting there sort of almost pinching yourself of like hang on a minute like this is the deciding set and they're 4-0 up like they might they might actually win this and then yeah again bit of bit of Patrick Thomas brilliant Scott got, sort of got it back to 4-3 or 4-4 or 5-4 something like that and, and you thought oh, okay maybe they're back and then again they got up they're up 8-5 three points three points away and so close <laughs> so close but, uh, but yet uh, so far and just yeah I guess it's that it's the old thing isn't it just um, at the end they just couldn't quite find a way to, to get it done they um, I think probably tensed up a little bit towards the end they just missed a few shots and, and then Mickey Mickey Ochner had hit a couple of those good drop shots sort of earlier on in that set but he went for a bunch of them in those last few points like I, I think he attempted six or seven drop shots in the last four or five points and not a single every single one of them they got to and it's like it's the old double-edged sword of trying those drop shots is if it works it's great if it doesn't you're giving the ball to Patrick Thomas at the net and that's not something you can do over and over again and like, there was one point where he did three like three in a row like twice he got a, got away with it whereas that where they defended Patrick's shot and the third one he eventually hit a winner and just think oh man yeah like at that point maybe yeah sort of put it away but yeah I guess you know you've you, you go with your with your guns or what what you think's gonna work. I found that I did think that was interesting that last set. It, it sort of ended up being the Ochner versus Thomas show. Like they were kind of just going at it, serving serving the whole set. And then, yeah, I did kind of wonder why if they maybe could have gone with with Robin Gensheimer a, a bit more, and that he'd been so good throughout the game. And yes, it offers something a bit different. But yeah, you know, ultimately you know, I was up eight five. So I guess you you're well and truly entitled to stick with what's been working for you up to that point but yeah unfortunately for them they uh couldn't quite get it done and and poor old Patrick Thomas who is actually a lovely guy surprisingly yeah he's the villain though he's I think he will be the villain until he loses something at some point it's it's funny because like I remember uh, actually meeting Patrick in Argentina and thinking he's this guy's the best player in the world and we're just a bunch of morons from Australia (laughs) who have no real business being at a world championships like this guy doesn't want to be talking to us and it was the exact opposite like when we rocked up I remember to that main meal night when we all had our blazers and everything on like he was coming up getting photos with everyone he was like the nicest guy ever and yet somehow we just all want him to lose so badly just because we just want someone else to win something at some point I mean that's the thing right like we've certainly got nothing against Patrick himself or or the German national team but like you just want to see something different right you just want to see a few upsets you want to see some surprises the Germans winning all the time is obviously great for them but it's 
you don't want it to be a foregone conclusion because that's I mean the 2019 one was probably a bit more even but the 2015 one that felt like a foregone conclusion from the the group stage it just seemed like they weren't going to even lose I don't even know if they lost a set they definitely did they lose a set the entire tournament I don't think they did I don't think they did no they they steamrolled everyone yeah I think and I mean that's just not fun. <laughs> yeah, and I think they might have lost one set, maybe in 2019. I think Austria might have pinched a set when they played them earlier yep. on in the in the tournament. But again, they they were never seriously challenged. They were sort of yeah, they're just on a, on another level at the moment. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I guess the the beauty of uh, well, the beauty and the frustration of World Championships only being every four years. It's a hell of a long time to wait, but also a lot can change in in four years. So yeah, hopefully some of those other young young guys. From other countries will be yep. will be coming through and um, can step up and throw down a challenge to the Germans. It does. It is interesting though that Funkstad have. I mean, their defense has remained reasonably um, steady, but they've you know they've had quite a few players come and go from that team that were part of their championships, and they just seem to keep steamrolling. And Patrick and his brother are obviously the the heartbeats of that, but otherwise they've had kind of a rotating crew, particularly for their secondary attacker position, and they just they just keep going. I mean, that's why this was just such a just to see them go to five sets is so genuinely surprising and incredibly exciting and particularly when it's a team that you're actually rooting for yeah it just makes for a cracking game absolutely yeah well, that's right like i'm not sure if they had other guys there but i think they only used six guys in the in the final anyway Funkstart. but yeah like patrick thomas and sebastian thomas have been in the national team Aith fernando is yeah just retired but he's been pretty much a staple there and i think andrew fernando's played national team before i'm not sure as much as his brother did and then uh, Jonas Schroeder has been in there a lot. And then I think the other young guy, Johannes Jungklusen or something. I'm not sure how he's in it, but I, I, he's sort of younger. But I, I said I think he's played in the German youth teams and stuff. So. Oh, has he? Okay, that makes sense. When I Facebook stalked him, he was wearing a German shirt so um, and right. playing in a game somewhere because <laughs> I was trying to figure out. Actually, that, that is one thing. That's, they should have been docked several points for not having the names on their shirts. <laughs> Start. Like, obviously, I know who the guts of them were, but when you're, like, trying to figure out... Because it didn't bring up, like, the the team list of the numbers or anything at the start of the game. No. So, it's like I had to go and do a bit of homework to try and figure out who I was looking at. And that was, I figured, the best way to do it. Yeah, I mean, they might not have the names on the back of their jerseys, but they have about 35 sponsors on their shirts and pants and socks and and probably their jocks as well i mean they just they're, they're just plastered in it yeah I, I think i mentioned it to you at the time but i find the junk sponsor on the front <laughs> of their shorts quite distracting catches the eye at a level that i don't really feel like i need my eye caught at but yeah i guess if you're the best team people people want to get their sponsors on you so yep i can only imagine at them saying well we've only got one space left it's the junk <laughs> <laughs> do you still want it? Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So I guess should we smash through the through our points for the game, the, the all important points that everyone's waiting to hear. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. We've got to find out who, who wins the uh, the pie and coke, <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 coveted uh, most coveted award in world football. Uh, do you want to do you want to go for the first one? Because I'm still thinking about my one point. <laughs> I'll make it up when I get to it. <laughs> yeah, again, I'm probably gonna. Have, I'm having one of those embarrassing ones where my awards have gone to attackers were probably not that fair on the defenders because some of them like there were some mm. great defensive efforts um, throughout again I, and I've already mentioned a couple of um, Sebastian Book and Marcus Katz Luca Egger Aeth Fernando Yana Schroeder all, all that popped up throughout my votes at, at various times but um, yeah there was kind of three guys I guess ultimately who were probably the decided that 
the game or, or made the game go as far as it did. So um, I flip flopped a bit um, with my my two and one votes, and ultimately I went for uh, for Mickey Ochner with uh, with my one vote. Uh, I thought he was like he was really good when he was on and did did some amazing stuff in that like final set where he almost got them over the line. Um, but also I, I think I mentioned mm-hmm. you know, he, he was very erratic at times where he hit some cracking winners but hit a few bad misses as well and yeah just, I thought that possible some questionable decision making late going for a, a lot of those drop shots um, but and also yeah he, he, I guess he sat out for probably a set and a half yeah it was probably ultimately why he, I got gave him one vote yeah I mean for one my, my one vote I considered going Mickey Ockner I thought that he had my favorite shot of the game which you, he may have done a few more times in the fifth set but obviously I didn't see that set but he had one where he was a I think it was a smash but it was a you know jumping drop shot with the backspin on it and he just he just nailed it because it like just went over the net and, land, and like the Funchdag guys didn't even get close and it was just so beautifully done. It's one of those shots that I knew that I, I know that if I was to try it, <laughs> it would be, <laughs> it would not, it would it'd be an incredibly embarrassing shot. The way he pulled that off and so seamlessly to the point that the Funchdag guys didn't even move basically because they didn't know he was going to do it. That was my favorite shot of the game. But just to be different, I'm not going to give him a vote. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to choose a defender and I'm going to actually go with, I'm just suddenly blanking the setter, the young setter for TVU. Luca Egger? Luke Egger. Particularly um, when he came on in the, I think it was the second set, the second and the fourth set, he was really impressive, both as a setter and as a, as a defender. He got to a lot of really difficult shots, um, a lot of diving, diving saves, because, you know, a lot of those Patrick Thomas smashes were going basically between him and one of the defenders, um, and he was the guy having to, to challenge them really frequently. And he was doing a really good job. And I think maybe I'm just extra bonuses because he's clearly young and he's kind of copying it from the best player in the world. And he was just really holding up. And without him in the middle, I think that they would have definitely struggled a bit more to pinch some of those sets that they did. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I, it was hard because I guess I've struggled to kind of pinpoint or to pick out any individual one of those defenders in that when they made that change, yeah, I guess it was midway through or when they were down yeah. in the second set and Christian Lurcher, Lurcher, I think he's, um, he was, yeah, he's the captain and he was great in the semifinal and he was, he was pretty good in that, in that first set. Um, and shout out to Christian. He was another, mm-hmm. he was fantastic for us, uh, helping us out more over there. I mean, he, he went off in that yeah. second set and, and I was sort of at the time thought, geez, that's a big call. Uh, and then, you know, those, that defensive three that sort of came in then they played really well and, you know, they were like, you know what, these guys are doing well. We're going to, we're going to stick to our guns and, um. I think they pretty much played played the rest of the game with with a pretty set back three, and they yeah they were awesome. They you know so nearly pulled off the miracle, but yeah, I just I I didn't know how to sort of split them. I guess. Yep. Yep. Um, should I move on to my second vote? Yeah. Sure. So yeah, my second vote was Robin Gensheimer. Sounds suspiciously like Griesheimer, Bryce Griesheimer, but uh, yes, Robin Gensheimer. Uh, he was. Not single-handedly, but he was integral to flipping the game in that second set um, when he moved into that, that main attacker position. And just his different style seemed to just throw Funchdad right off. And just his his uh, aggression, just to give it everything on all of those hits to get them back into the game, he was so critical. And he was like, what's the word? He was kind of not 
the heartbeat, but he was kind of like the driving force of getting them into that. And it felt like the other guys were feeding a little bit off him. And he was also really good defensively as an attacker. He was, when Mickey was on, he was the primary defensive attacker and he was getting some incredible saves um, when Patrick was smashing it right at him or a few drop shots. He was just really critical, I thought. Um, to the game to getting TVU into the game so that's where he got my two votes yeah same here no real arguments there yeah I thought was he was the main reason why TVU got back into the game when they looked like it was gonna be a, a whitewash and yeah I think his energy too like he, he hit a couple of winners aces or, or, or shots and he just got everyone else going around him and all of a sudden yeah the, the game that looked like it was gonna be a bit of a nothing game all of a sudden yeah, they've somehow pinched a set. It sort of looked like they had no business winning a set. And then, yeah, they were kind of, they were in the game. And the whole team, the way they fought it out was was impressive. But yep. yeah, without Robin Gensheimer, they wouldn't have been anywhere near them to have even put up a challenge. So yeah, he was a, a pretty clear, uh, pretty clear number two for me. And I guess um, rolls on to number one. Yeah. So who do you got? Uh, it'd be interesting to hear this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, against all odds, uh, I've picked the best player in world baseball. Right. Right, right. Um, Let's see. Stefan Koch. Yes, yes. Steph, <laughs> Stefan Koch. Sorry, Stefan. Yeah, yeah, you're up there, but um, yeah. No, Patrick Thomas was... To be honest, I, I don't think... It's as far from the best game I've ever seen Patrick Thomas play. I don't know that he was at his absolute best, but he was good enough. And yeah, he made a few un, uncharacteristic errors. But then, yeah, I guess you know, not having as much supporters we're used to seeing him have like you know not having a, an absolute superstar second attacker playing beside him and and yeah ultimately just was good enough in the clutch to to take care of business but yeah it was certainly a lot harder work than i think he would have been expecting and pretty much everyone was expecting yeah um i mean obviously my three uh, for patrick as well i believe that they originally weren't going to compete they, I think COVID fears were that they were going to withdraw from the German championships, but then they changed their mind when they heard the, the safety precautions that were going into place. And by all accounts, they had less of, uh, less of a build-up to this than they normally would, um, less time to train as a team. So um, they obviously didn't go into the tournament in a way that they normally would, so perhaps that affected them, and maybe that was why they looked a little rusty at times. But um, yeah, he was... I mean, he was just Patrick. Had, I mean, I've, I've frequently compared him to the LeBron of fistball in that he's physically just gift, so much more gifted. <laughs> but it's not just that he has the physical abilities, but he has that that ability to take over a game when he needs to, when he feels that the, the game's sort of getting away from them. He can just go, you know what? I'll just win us a few points. And I don't, he just does it with relative ease, almost to the point where you're wondering if he was just kind of taking a break before that. <laughs> you know, you can always depend on him. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was clear three votes for me. Yeah, I find um, every time I, I see Patrick Thomas and Sebastian Thomas playing, it just reminds me of that um, sort of scene early in um, the first Captain America movie. <laughs> He's kind of like a, a skinny sort of soldier. He's like normal sized, you know, probably. And then they put him into this sort of chamber thing and he comes out like <laughs> six foot four and built. And I'm like, well, that's probably a, not a very nice thing to say about Sebastian Thomas. Because, <laughs> like, he's just like, he's like a normal sized, usual person. And he sort of has a very, like he looks, 
looks a lot like Patrick's. Like their <laughs> their heads very similar. But then Patrick's like half a foot, or probably a foot taller than him almost. Like I think you know, not a foot, but yeah, Sebastian Thomas is probably five foot nine or something, and Patrick's like six foot four. It's, it's a pretty sizable difference. <laughs> and it's just like it's like what happened? How does that happen? Like where they look the same, but one's just as giant. And and I just always sit and think like, yeah, that's something something sus has gone on there that you could have one normal brother and one that's just this sort of freakish um humanoid but again we won't we won't delve too far into the into the depths of that that's not that's a that's a rolf conversation <laughs> yeah i mean and that's no that's no disrespect to uh, sebastian who's obviously an incredible and national team player in his own right but you're right it's just a done the mario mushroom thing and ding 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 you know you got patrick thomas now and he's just gonna yeah. he's gonna be the attacker um yeah it's it's almost amplified when he's playing for Fungstadt because like the fernando brothers are, are really small too like they're they're little guys and um that um jonas schroeder's not tall and johannes can't i'm not even gonna try and attempt his surname again is, is not a big guy so he's he's literally a head taller than everyone else on his team and it just looks yep. so hilarious when they're standing there at the start of the game all lined up and yep. it's, he's like that like a kid who's been kept down a couple of grades at school or something here. He's just so much older than all the other kids. And you're like, what's what's going on here? He shouldn't be allowed to play in this in this division. <laughs> Send him up to the big kids' playground, would you? It is interesting, though, because, you know, they don't have, like, a Nick Trinemeyer or something alongside him anymore. And, you know, Tommy kind of was talking about it at the World Champs. It is surprising that teams don't just target Patrick Moore. And I, I know that he's he's an incredibly good defensive player as well, but, like... You would think that teams would, at least you know, in the in the situation of desperation, would just like just pepper it at him every single time and just try to frustrate him. You know, don't let him have an attacking shot. Always make him play defense. And you just wonder if it could. You know, he's not the most emotional guy out there on the field, but like you just wonder if you could somehow throw him a little bit off his game by not letting him have any attacking shots, right? And I know it's hard to win points that way, but at least you could maybe change the mindset of the game. You'd think. But no one seems to really do it, at least not for long. Yeah, I guess definitely for, if you're playing against, yeah, Funkstadt, that would be a, a strategy I think you could probably attempt. And that if you don't have a really a really strong number two attacker, that you could take a guy out like that. And that, that was sort of a bit what was happening in that women's final in Austria tonight, in that a lot of the times when they knew that Karina Steindl was really the only one who could who could attack them, they, they did target her quite a lot and took her out of the game. But I guess, yeah, the thing with Germany is like, you know, Patrick's so good, but then the other guys that he has generally had playing around him for Germany, they're still world-class attackers. Yeah. They're just maybe not quite as good as he is. You know, there's, you know, Lucas Schubert and yeah. um, and these guys. And it's like, they're still going to beat you. Like, because again, if you attack Patrick, you're giving him the ball near the net most of the time. And those guys will still, still tear you apart if you just keep giving him the ball yep. within, you know, five metres of the net, so... Yeah. Oh, and while we're there, we should shout out to Lucas Schubert as well, who uh, at least seemed to listen to our podcast last week and gave us a little shout out on Instagram. So thanks for that, Lucas. <laughs> we should have given you more votes in our uh, in our World Games um, review, but um, you know, because I mean, we're we're very viable. If people want votes in these games, feel free to slip us, you know, a twenty or something. That's twenty bucks. That's all, <laughs> that's all I need, and I'll change my vote. No worries. But um, yeah, thanks for that shout out, Lucas. Yeah, not not above corruption. Absolutely, <laughs> fake it till you make it. Or, you know, do whatever you've got to do to to get there in the world. Absolutely. But yeah, I think there was that. That was Funkstadt's eighteenth title. I think I heard um, wow. Chris and Yawn on their on their podcast uh, were saying I think it was about eighteen, which is yeah pretty impressive. It'd be interesting to know if um 
whether their dad is a Dima Thomas. Yeah. I wonder if if he played for them as well because obviously that would have been another avenue for a few championships because I believe he was a national team player, right? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he did. From what I've heard, they said like he, he probably wasn't as as talented as Patrick, but I think they said he's probably the heart, like the most powerful, hardest hitter that has ever played. Like they're gonna he hit the ball, especially you know, back back in the day when they played with those hard brown leather balls. And yeah, I can't remember what the number was, but they. I remember um, someone saying that they got him and Boris Becker, I think it was, and some other, and a German footballer, and that, and I had a like a speed gun on them when you know speed cameras were kind of a, a bit of a new thing to see how how hard they could hit the ball. And yeah, like Boris Becker was like 160 k's an hour with the tennis racket, and I can't remember what what the speed they said was that the Dita Thomas hit the ball, but it was something scary fast. That you would think <laughs> that he would be hitting like that. And Wow. I mean, I guess even Boris Becker isn't safe from the Thomas family, is he? Fist. It's interesting when, um, when we're trying to get a guest to come onto the show, uh, we had a few lined up, but then when that fell through, we thought, well, this will probably be a shorter podcast. Uh, <laughs> We'll probably just be able to breeze through it, do a quick Euro roundup, and then we'll be done. And then I look at the time, and we're at an hour and 25 minutes. I don't know why this keeps happening, Matt. Yeah, it's almost like we really enjoy the sound of our own voices or something. But we could, if, you, if you'll indulge me with a little bit of mouse clicking in the background, we could possibly see if, if the Austrian men's matches started and give an actual live score update, because I think it was due to start around midnight, wasn't it? Yes. All right, do it. I'm also clicking my mouse. I love just creating stuff for me to edit. Yeah, we can we can edit this out. It's fine. <laughs> I like how you say we. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we. Should we do our shout outs? Yeah. Uh, didn't have one pre-prepared. <laughs> I'll do my shout out. Um, I've got two very quick ones. I'll do a shout out to, to Lee Baroni, who has committed to come on to a future podcast um, and do his horse racing commentary. Um, he is also the uh, the co-holder of the most number of Australian national caps and Fitzmaurice, so, you know. Maybe we'll bring him on, bring him on when someone's about to about to crack that record. But yes, he, he's loving the podcast. So I thought I'd give him a shout out, and I also give a shout out to um, Jason Builders, um, oh, the, the the prodigal son, the prodigal son who we haven't seen on a fistball field in um, almost two over two years now. A former Australian captain. Love fistball, um, was everything fistball, and then he just disappeared. Um, no one's seen him since. Um, so, uh, but I have heard from him. <laughs> he, yeah, we assume he's still alive. So. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not. He's not dead. He's. Uh, he, I do hear from him, and he loves the podcast. He uh, he listens to it while he's running. So, builders, if you're listening to this right now while you're running, um, just keep going, mate. You're going to get your PB. Just stick with it. I believe in you. Um, you can do it. All right, Mal. Yeah, last I heard, he was um, going to go and spend some time in Belangolo State Forest with his um, friend Peter. Um, what? I'm not sure what happened there. That's a topical reference, isn't it? That one's was that was that even Peter or was it Ivan? Oh, Ivan. Yeah, well, Peter's the one that the uh, the British backpacker. Uh, just to get slightly more specific for the uh, international listeners, yeah. uh, Ivan Milat was the one that he may have actually taken down some Germans, if I remember correctly. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. He was wolf, he was Wait. more Wolf Creek style, wasn't he? I think Peter yeah. Falconio was Belangolo State Forest. Good stuff. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, we did talk earlier about that we we had planned to do our first ever sort of live fistball score updates that you'll get in three days after the game, which is going to be 
groundbreaking stuff. And fortunately, because we have waffled on so long, uh, we have stumbled into the start of the men's game and we do have an update that uh, Linz have sort of unexpectedly taken the first set against the Volkerbrook Tigers. So Very surprising. Should we, uh, should we just hypothesize how this is going to finish so that when people listen to this in three days' time, it'll make us sound like we knew what we were talking about? Yeah, why not? Here's, here's, your, here's your tip. I think, um, I think Volkerbrook's going to come back. I think they're going to take this 3-2. Yeah, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to see Volkerbrook not winning, but just so that one of us looks smart that we actually tipped a winner, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Linz go on with this. Wow. Um, can't believe I can't believe you picked that upset. That was amazing. Yeah, um, I'm something of a doyen of fistball <laughs> tipping. Uh, yeah, scores wise, are these, are these? I don't even know. Are these five. I think these are seven setters. Are they? Not, oh, are they? Okay, uh, they're going to win four two. Yeah, I'll, I'll say a, um, a a four three seven set classic. And then if it's only five sets, we're going to look. I'll look like a moron again, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, I think yeah, I think that's about it. We've we've managed to to stumble through another hour and a half which will be significantly less than that by the time you're finished chopping out all of our nonsense and let's bloody well hope so that'd be good <laughs> i guess we'll sign off and uh enjoy your work in six hours now and um mm, five and a half now and i'll actually and my alarm will be in four and a half hours so that's gonna be it's gonna be great fun it'll be a really productive monday yeah operating heavy machinery i hope yeah I, well yeah i think i'll be on the forklift but that's okay <laughs> nothing could, nothing bad's ever happened with a oh dear. sleep-deprived guy on a forklift, has it? No, nah, should be right. Should be right. All right. Well, it's been a been a pleasure. Indeed. We'll uh, we'll do it again sometime. Sounds good. Hooroo! Hooroo! Fist on! Fist on! Fist. Fist.